be a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we lift our hands and give him praise? For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I must preface the message and let you know that I know that people are very defensive about certain things in their life. And I've dealt with people for many, many years, been in ministry almost 30 years. And I know that when it comes to depression and anxiety and matters of mental health, that people can be very protective over these things. They can be protective over what they've been prescribed. They can be protective over what they believe about them. They can be protective over that stuff. I'm not here uh, to frustrate you. I'm here to teach you what the Bible says in regards to these things. Now, whether you believe it or not is up to you. But I'm not here to attack the fact that you might have to take medicine. I'm not here to attack the fact that you might have to talk to somebody and go to a counselor. Or I'm not here to belittle anybody that's ever went to any kind of psychotherapy of any kind or went through anything of that. That is not my point. My point is to educate you as a new creation. Because, see, you're not the old creation. You're a new creation. Amen. In regards to depression, anxiety, care, worry, and fear. And people get very defensive about these because it really hits home with each and every one of us when we start talking about these things. Because we get defensive because we think, are you saying that I'm not enough? Are you saying that I'm not good enough? Are you saying that I'm not this? Are you saying that I'm not that? I'm not saying any of that. What I'm trying to do is give you the word because the word is what will set you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. So let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter four. One of the greatest responsibilities you have as a believer is the responsibility of renewing your mind. It is one of the primary responsibilities of every believer. In Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He goes on and says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Some people translate it by the removing of your mind. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't work. It's by the renewing of your mind. So the auspice is on us because it doesn't say that God's going to do anything about your body. And it says that God's not going to do anything about your mind. Now he has done everything we need in Christ. Okay. So we need to understand that, that the victory's already been won. The victory over mental health and the victory over your body has already been won through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
You need to start saying what I say every morning. I say I'm the healthiest 55-year-old man on planet Earth because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Not because of what I eat. Not because of my exercise regimen. Not because I'm just so good looking. But because of Jesus took my place. He became my substitute. And the wrath of God was placed on him so that I could walk in his righteousness. And that is the basis for my health. That is the basis for my mental health as well. Amen. See, we just came out of a pandemic and the Lord just been hammering on me about the need for Christians to rise up and shake off the funk of 2020. Because there's people still in a funky mood when it comes to the pandemic, when it comes to what we went through. And it was meant to do that. It was meant to frustrate you. And although viruses come and go as they do, the fear remains. The anxiety remains. Uh, the worry, the stress remains. Stress is a spirit. Did you know that? <clears throat> oh, I could go so many places today. I, I want you free. That's what I want you free. I just want you free. That's all. That's all. And so I don't want to say anything that would offend you, but if it offends the, the devils that are trying to keep you bound, then I'm going to go ahead and, and, and I'm going to go ahead and, and say it. Amen. Okay. All right. Philippians chapter four. And the key is, is that I come against every spirit that would try to bring up a defense because there are people that think that by me stating what the word says, you're against me, you're, you're attacking me. No, I'm not. I'm not going to attack you at all. I have the same problems you do. I have to deal with my body and I have to deal with my mind. And I'm telling you, it's been a crazy wild circus. Amen. Hello. It's been a crazy wild circus. I was at Church That Matters week before last, I think, uh, you know, two weeks back. And I just, you know, I told them, I, of course, I tried to tell you everything that's going on in my life and stuff like that. But, you know, ever since 2016, when I get up here to minister, the Lord says, I'm going to kill you. I mean, not the Lord, but the enemy says, I'm going to kill you. Sometimes he sounds like the Lord. That's one of his tricks. He says, I'm going to kill you dead while you're preaching. I'm just going to kill you right now. And uh, I, I told the congregation there, I said, you know, right before I got up there, I saw myself laid out on your, laid out on your stage, IMSA on the way. Hello, I'm telling you, he means business. And you've got to have something greater Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But if you don't release the greater one, how do I release the greater one? I, I, I rehearse Psalm 118 and I say, no, I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. See, I have to have something greater than the words of the enemy. Amen. That, that's absolutely free. Okay. Well, all right. All right. We ready to go? Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm Thus in the Lord, my beloved. Okay, next verse. I entreat Euodia 
and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So there was this dispute between these two women. He says, yes, uh, that's kind of strange, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I ask you also, true companions, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Keep it right there, Kirby. Keep, go back. Keep it right there. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say what? Rejoice. So we have double rejoice there. And we have to understand what that means. We were just exhorted by Rebecca to rejoice in the Lord and to begin to praise him and exalt him. But when we look up this word rejoice, it is a variation from the Greek word charis, which means grace. Okay? So it has a, it has a denoting uh, of a mindset. See, this is not just, I'm going to just rejoice and, you know, no, this is a, a way of thinking. See, he's already dealing with the fact that, you know, the, the, there was dispute in the church. There was something that was going on there. He says, I love you. I care about you like most people do. But you know what? I see that you need to get into agreement with one another. And, and the congregation, you come and help these ladies and help, help them. Because all of our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Because that's, you know, we're going to be, you know, you better get along with who you're, who you're with right now. Because you're going to be with them forever. Come on now. Amen. Because their name's written in the Lamb Book of Life. So he begins to talk about a mindset and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay. Now, now that word is very, very interesting because it means, uh, it, it comes from a, a Greek word that means that we have a, 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 a mindset of favor. You should understand that no matter what you're facing in life, you have the favor of God. It means to be leaning forward. See, not back on your heels, letting, letting situation continue to push you back, Jono, push you back, but to be standing forward as... Marines would say that we have a forward stance. See, this, this attitude is, is that we have a forward stance because we have the favor of God. But it talks about something very interesting. It talks about the cultivation of basically uh, delighting in and experiencing and being consciously aware of the grace of God. Amen. See, that's the mindset that you and I are to have, yeah. is to be consciously aware of the grace of God in any and all circumstances that we find ourselves in. How many realize that's hard? That's difficult. It requires discipline. To see the grace of God in the doctor's report, to see the grace of God when, you know, you're facing, you know, uh, 
financial difficulty to see the grace of God when you're struggling with a child or uh, the grace of God when you're struggling in a relationship or in your marriage. But notice that the Apostle Paul clearly tells us that the mindset of the new creation is to consciously be aware and cognizant of in any and all situations, rejoice in the Lord always. That means that I am consciously aware that I am experiencing and I am entrusting in the grace of God in any and all area of my life. And then he says, and again, I say rejoice. So he's given you a double because in the Hebrew, which this is not written in Hebrew, but he was a Hebrew scholar. He understood that when you used words in a double way, that it meant that it empowered it doubly. So when it says, you shall keep him in perfect peace, actually the Hebrew says, you will keep him in peace, peace. Which means peace that overshadows, takes care of everything. There's no bigger peace than the peace that he's talking about, the peace that comes from the Lord. Amen? So our mindset must be in rejoicing in the grace of God. Well, I've got pain in my body. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, we fought so badly. I don't know if we're going to make it to Monday. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, he hasn't been home in five years. I haven't seen him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So the mindset must always be in gratitude of the grace of God. Majority of times that I've talked with people or even had to talk to myself. How many realize you got to learn to talk to yourself? I'm telling you, if we would start speaking to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves, we'd be a lot better off. The majority of time when I'm dealing with someone that's going through a, a, a proverbial funk, so to speak, it's because they have lost. The awareness of the grace of God. They've lost it. And the enemy's really good about fragmenting us, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, and getting us into a works-based relationship with the Lord. He constantly pushes us to get into a works-based relationship with the Lord. And when you're in a works-based relationship with the Lord, that scripture is not applicable. It's not. There's no way. Because grace and works don't go hand in hand. They're opposites. And if you continue to focus on works, and I got to do this, or God's not going to do this, and I got to show up today, or God's going to be upset with me, or I better tithe, or God's going to, you know, take the roof off my house with a tornado, and... uh, you know, I better do this or it's just going to fall. I better, you know, oh my gosh, I better work in that, you know, come on. He pushes you to get into a workspace relationship because that gets you out of the mindset of grace, gets you out of the mindset of enjoying, experiencing, 
and delighting in the grace of God. It totally gets you out of that. And this is where anxiety starts. Hello. Okay. All right. We're going to break it down. All right. Now, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The word reasonableness is very interesting in the Greek, and it means to be kind. It means to uh, be uh, level-headed. It means to be self-controlled. It means to um, have proper regulated wholeness. And you can only operate in that if you rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Most problems in our lives are due to an unregulated mind. Our mind is not regulated with the word. And so it runs in all different directions. Wherever the enemy, he comes in, tries to stimulate it through outside activity, through words, through actions, through things that we see. And then all of a sudden our mind goes into overdrive and we get into a, a mindset that is greatly fragmented and the opposite of the wholeness that he is talking about that comes from a mindset of grace. Are you with me today? Is this too deep for after Thanksgiving? <laughs> is the turkey still setting in? Amen. So when we're regulated, we're reasonable. Have you ever dealt with someone that is absolutely unreasonable? Have you ever fought with someone? That is absolutely unreasonable. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. They are absolutely unreasonable. And the reason why they're unreasonable is because the enemy has pushed them over away from grace. When you are out of grace, you are absolutely unreasonable. You cannot be sufficed. No person can do anything that is right. But we're called to let our reasonableness be known to everyone. And if you're known as difficult, as thorny, <laughs> hello, then you're obviously not operating in the grace mindset of rejoicing always. And again, I say rejoice. If you're easily agitated, easily frustrated, easily overwhelmed, that is not reasonableness. See, people get defensive on, I see your looks, I see your looks. People get defensive about this stuff. What are you talking about me? Am I not good enough? Are you judging me? I'm not judging anybody. Amen? Well, you know, they, they got clinical depression and things of that. Yeah, I understand that. I understand about clinical depression. I understand about all these things, but I also understand that there's something behind it that you can't see. And Jesus dealt with it. And my job is to tell you that Jesus dealt with it and to give you the tools to be able to access that promise of God. And the Apostle Paul says it right here in these verses that we're about to read, okay? All right. 
Okay. So these are going over real well. All right. Now notice this next verse or this next portion of the verse. Well, go up to that one verse again. The Lord is at hand. Whoa, what a powerful statement. When it comes to the mindset of grace, when it comes to operating in reasonableness, why should we do that? Because the Lord's at hand. That means the Lord is here. It means that he has invaded space-time. That's exactly what it means. He invaded space-time. The Lord is here. Well, I'm here to tell you that majority of the things that we run into where we're mentally being barraged, overwhelmed, and overstimulated is because of a lack of cognizance of the presence of God, a lack of awareness and consciousness of God's presence in our lives, that he is within us, he is upon us, he is around us. We are his soil. We are his cosmic territory. Guess what? We're the ground that he has chosen to bury himself in. So that means when the enemy comes and tries to attack you mentally or physically, you say, oh, holy ground, sacred ground. What does sacred ground mean? Sacred ground means it's set apart. See, we've got this whole area here and we've got this little, you know, rostrum right up here, this podium area. And it's set apart. It's absolutely different than this here. Well, that's exactly what, what we are. We are separated for a purpose. And you'll find that most people when they're walking around here and visiting, they never go up there because it has a purpose. Do you understand that? So the enemy, he can walk all around. What, but guess what? When he begins to try to infringe on sacred territory, that's when you need to use your authority in Jesus and say, no. No, you can't come into my body. You can't come into my mind. This is sacred territory. God dwells in. This is holy ground. Amen. See, we've got to understand that the Lord is with you all the time. That he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that although you may not feel him, (coughs) you know he's there because his word says he is. That's a major statement. I know that sounds real easy and real plain, but it is absolutely one of the most profound statements that you will ever know in your life, which is, he is there because he said he's there. You're healed because he said you're healed. You're free because he said you're free. Is this helping anybody? Grace mindset is a mindset that is filled with the presence of the Lord. The more I yield to grace, the more I begin to operate in a mindset of grace, the more I will experience God's presence. The more I work, the less of the presence of the Lord I will experience in my life. 
Amen? And that's the reason why we have high levels of burnout, high levels of people that are getting frustrated in their walk with the Lord is because they're continuously trying to do things in the flesh and they're not in the grace mindset that accesses what God has done in them. Grace observes, respects, and activates what has already been done. It does not access something that is not already done. Amen? See, it's already done. Grace is the key that unlocks it, not works. People say, well, I got to do this, this, and this, and that is not. That's exactly where the enemy wants you. Hello, there are people right now in these seats working on their healing. You need to cease from it. There are people working to try not to be anxious today. They're trying to regulate their thoughts. They're trying to focus their mind. And the grace isn't there. But I'm here to tell you, grace is the answer. Amen? All right, we're getting into some seedy territory. Okay, all right, all right, okay, all right. He says, notice this, this is a command, this next verse. When it says do not, that's a command. That's like a Ten Commandment. Thou shalt not, you could put that there. Thou shalt not be anxious. Oh, that's rough. That's rough, isn't it? Because we're so used to anxiety. We're, we, we swim in it. We swim in it. We, we, we tread in it. It's just around us all the time. And we're constantly focused on anxiety. Anxiety is a part of our life. And that's the reason why heart disease is at all-time high. That's the reason why we have psychosomatic illnesses, which is, you know, which is about 88% of all sicknesses in the United States are psychosomatic. It's because our minds aren't regulated. It's because we've got bad thinking habits. We don't have a mind of grace. We've got a mind of works. Remember Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. He said, take my yoke. So there's a yoke to this. It's not just automatic. There's a yoke to it. There's a putting on. And basically a yoke in regards to what Jesus was teaching about was when people would follow a specific rabbi, they would take the yoke of his teaching. That's what they meant, the yoke of his teaching. So that meant take my teachings and yoke them, yoke yourself up with my teaching, yoke yourself up with my way of living. And most people are yoked up to their career. They're yoked up to their fantasies. They're yoked up to their dreams. They're yoked up to their desires. And it's, they're yoked up to the American dream. And they're not yoked up to the right thing. In order to live an anxious, free life, you've got to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 
You've got to be reasonable and operate in reasonableness, operate in wholeness because the Lord is at hand. That's the solution right there. The solution's right there at the top of the sandwich here. Now we're getting to the meat. Notice it says, don't be anxious about anything. You look it up in the Greek, it means anyone or anything. That pretty much covers it, doesn't it? So that tells you that the two main sources, the two main sources of anxiety in your life is anyone and anything. Hello. What's stressing you out? Anyone? Anything. We live in a fallen world. There's a lot of anyone's. And there's a lot of anythings out there that can stress us and overcome us and cause us to operate in anxiety, get anxious about. Okay? But there's a play on words that he uses here. He says, don't be anxious about anyone or anything, but in everyone and everything. You look it up in the Greek, that's what it means. Everyone and everything. By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So he basically tells you that the key to uh, operating in an anxiety-free life, okay, is prayer and supplication with thanksgiving about anyone and anything. But how many people do that? I can't sit here and tell you that I do that about everything. Amen? Now, we look up this word anxiety. It's very, very, very interesting. We're going to camp here just for a little bit, all right? And one of the offshoots of anxiety or the roots of anxiety is the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. Not having enough, not being enough, not doing enough. I mean, that's, that's the works mentality, is it not? That's the works mindset. Because when you're in a works mindset, you never think you're enough. Oh, come on now, guys. You don't ever think you've got enough. And you don't think that you'll ever do enough. That's a works mentality. And that's the opposite of mentality that Jesus tells us to get yoked up with. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's the mindset. The mindset is that I experience and that I relish in and that I embrace and that I actively participate in the grace of God in my life. Not sit there, worry, and wring my hands about whether I'm good enough, whether I have enough, or whether I can do enough. Fear. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. These are scriptures that I taught my kids. Uh, let's look at Psalm 56. This is not on my list there, Kirby. Psalm 56. This is something that uh, you need to confess over your life. Yeah. 
I like to hear Bibles turning. Amen? <clears throat> 56 and verse number 3. Notice what the psalmist says here. And I like it that the Bible is absolutely real. Amen? Do you like that the Bible is real? It speaks to right where we're at. Notice it says, when I am afraid. It doesn't say, I will never be afraid. It doesn't say that. There's a lot of people trying to do that. No. It tells you very clearly, fear's going to come. When I am afraid, well, guess what? That's going to happen. Fear is going to come to us all. But notice we don't stay in the emotional realm of fear. That our life isn't about the waves on top, but the depths of the spirit below. That although it may be tumultuous on top and our emotions may be, you know, vying for all kinds of different things and thinking about all kinds of different things. It's the depth of what God has put within us that holds us. And it says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Amen. Amen. You need to make that a little song. We used to make that a song for our kids. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. I can hear my little son, son Josh singing that song. And that's the mindset that you've got to have because fear's going to come. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to respond emotionally. I'm not going to get over into the realm of emotion. I'm going to go with the depths of the greater one that's on the inside of me. And when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in you. Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. And I don't know the purpose of this. But I know that you love me. I know you care for me. I know that you have my best interest. And I yield myself to you to trust you in this situation. Come on now. And then it says, in God, whose word I praise. Notice that. In God, whose word I praise. So how am I going to combat fear? How am I going to stand in fear and trust the Lord? I've got to be in his word. His word develops the trust that I need to be able to resist fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Oh, this is something from the Lord right now. You've got to understand when, that, when fear comes upon a believer, that it may show itself to be present, but power is also present. And you've got to make a decision. Am I going to yield to the fear or am I going to yield to the power? Yeah. Amen. Sometimes when you're faced with situations and your knees are knocking, how many have been in those kinds of situations? 
You have to do it with your knees knocking. I will not fear. I will not be afraid. When I am afraid, I trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. Amen? Glory to God. Amen? Are you, are you getting help? Amen. Let's look at Psalm 34, I believe. Hallelujah. God is good. I believe it's Psalm 34. Let me look at my notes over here. We need to resist the spirit of fear. See, that's one thing, you know, depression used to come on me and, you know, it comes on me at times. You know, everyone deals with depression. And sometimes it's bad eating habits. Sometimes it's not getting enough rest. And sometimes it's, you know, various things that are going on in our lives. But sometimes it's a person. Isaiah 61. It says that he gives us the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, when you start dealing with things as a spirit, now you, listen, you've got two things when it comes to your deliverance. When it comes to your flesh, you have to crucify it. That's the only remedy for the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh. You can't expel the flesh. You can't tell the flesh to go away. Hello, and depression can come from the flesh. And if you fasted and prayed and sought the Lord and crucified your flesh in regards to your pity parties and things of that nature, but yet you're getting absolutely no relief whatsoever, then you need to start looking at the fact that this might be a person, an entity, a spirit of heaviness that is coming upon you. Because when you start treating it, now, it has to be revealed to you. It's not something that, you know, you just do, you know, because a, a demon isn't behind everything. But if the Lord reveals to you that there's a spirit of heaviness on your life, then you can deal with that person by the authority in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm telling you, this will save your life. Amen? need to speak to that and say, in the name of Jesus, I speak to you, spirit of heaviness. I command you to leave me. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. I call upon Jesus to deliver me now from the spirit of heaviness that's on my mind. That's causing me to go inward, to causing me to not speak, to causing me to not communicate. And I release in Jesus' name this spirit from my life. And I command it in the name of Jesus to not come upon this sacred ground anymore. You have been found and you have been revealed and you must leave in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. Let's look at verse four of chapter 34, Psalm. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Isn't that something? If you seek the Lord, he'll answer you. And he delivered me from all my 
fears. How many fears? All my fears. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him, notice this, it's a qualifier. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Amen. When we look to him, we're radiant. When we don't look to him, we're dull. I dare say there are people that haven't even brought certain situations to the Lord in prayer and you're still wrestling with them in your mind and in your body. And that is not the arena for these things to be rectified. It will solve nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. This word anxious is very important because uh, it's listed. Jesus talked about it. Let's let's look at uh, what Jesus said about it in Mark chapter 4. The word for anxiety here is the same word that he used when he talked about the sower sowing the word. Okay? Now notice this, and I'm going to read the whole parable to you because it's important that we get a hold of this because when we are wanting to get into grace consciousness, so to speak, a grace way of living, we've got to understand that it comes through the sowing of the word into the soil of our heart. And that causes us to begin to cultivate a gracious mindset, a mindset that believes, embraces, and experiences and rejoices in the grace of God. Amen? And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? He he just gave them the sower sows the word. How then will you understand all the parables? Because this is the skeleton key that opens up all the other things about the kingdom of God. He said, the sower sows the word. Now notice this, the seed is the word of God. Amen? And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Let's keep it right there, Kirby. The word there uh, where it says, uh, this is along the path, it it means that it is so well-worn that it's almost like concrete. Have you ever walked across uh, dirt roads that are just as strong as, as Concrete, I mean, just as flat and just as grooved out. That's the kind of path that we're talking about here. And, and what he's referring to is the well-traveled paths of our life, yeah. our tendencies, our proclivities. The fact that we go a certain direction every time a situation arises, we go down this path. And he says the word sown in that path, but because it can't, get any soil, it can't get penetrate the hardness of that area. Because see, we can get so used to being, you know, programmed to operate a certain way that it just becomes like this floor. And so God wants to transform it. How's he going to transform it? He's going to transform it through his word. 
through the sowing of his word. But because we have had such a well traveled there, it doesn't get any soil. And guess what happens? Satan comes immediately to take it. He comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now notice this, the next phrase, and in those and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. Now, this has got soil that can be penetrated, but it also has obstacles. It has obstacles that can keep the seed from getting to the soil. Rocky ground, the one who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy because guess what? They have the capability to grow it. They're not, you know, a well-traveled road. They've got the ability to receive it. Yeah, I, I see that. That's exciting to me. But because they don't have any root in themselves, they endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Doesn't arise for any other account. Not because you're just so great and wonderful. It's because the word's been sown. The enemy only comes after the word. You should expect satanic involvement when you've received a word from God. You should expect it and stand against it and know that you've got the victory in Christ Jesus. Some of the best messages I've ever preached or the greatest things that I've ever received from the Lord have been followed by a tendency to be depressed. Why? Because he's coming after the word. He's not coming after you and saying, well, you did a good job and I'm going to make you pay. That's not what he's doing. He's coming for the word. So if he can have you on a mountaintop on Sunday morning and by Sunday evening, you're down in the valley. Oh, no, I'm telling you, as a preacher, I know exactly what that means. Monday mornings used to be terrible. People used to take off. Most preachers will take off Monday morning. But I want to feel good on my day off. So I take off Friday. Hello. Hello. See the words getting sown in your heart right now? Some of you are taking it in. You're rejoicing with it, but because you have no root in yourself, you endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. They stop harboring that word. Amen? Let's look at the next one. And others are those who are sown among thorns. The actual word for thorn means bramble bush. How many know what a bramble bush is? I mean, they just scatter all over the place and they can be very constrictive and hard to cut out, hard to pull out of the soil. He says, they are those who hear the word. Notice the next phrase there. But the care, oh, that's that word. Anxiety. Marimna in the Greek. Marimna in the Greek. And it's very powerful word. It means a lot of different things, and all of them are applicable if you're going to stand against anxiety in your life. One of the main definitions of this word is to divide. To fragment. 
So he goes on and he says, but the cares of this world, the word world is very interesting. It's not cosmos. It's aeonos in the Greek. And it means age or times in which we live. So it could be very specific to specific generations because there are certain cares that are a part of this generation that were not a part of other past generations. So it says the distractions is another definition of the distractions, the, the cares of this current space and time, this current culture that we live in today, or this current generation would be a good translation of that. The cares of this generation. Amen. Some of you parents are shaking your head like that because you realize your parents didn't have to deal with some of the things that you're dealing with right now, because guess what? The, the world system is a matrix. It has upgrades. And so it upgrades as time progresses and as the time of the enemy gets shorter and shorter and shorter, we begin to see greater things for care in this aeonos. Amen? Okay. Now notice this. It says, the cares of this current culture, the deceitfulness of riches... See, there's more people thinking about money and they're thinking about the Lord and they're filled with anxiety. Hello. Oh my goodness. And the desires, epithumia in the Greek, which means a strong lust for other things. So it's telling me this that what keeps the word from growing in many people's lives is the bramble bushes of the cares of this present culture, the deceitfulness of riches. Well, if I just work this, if I just do this, I'm going to get that promotion and, and everything's going to be good. Or if I just get this contract, our lives are going to be different, baby. It's the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, if I could just get this degree, I'll be able to the deceitfulness of riches. See, your trust is not in the Lord. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. But if you're trusting in a degree, oh, are you with me? Trusting in your ability. I'm not saying don't go after degrees. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the deceitfulness of riches is the carrot that is constantly you're, you're going after thinking that somehow it's going to change your life. That some, something materially is going to adjust the quality of your existence. It's not true. There's no truth to that. You weren't built for that. That's not how you're built. The enemy knows how you're built. He knows that if you have abundance of physical things, that it will restrict the greater one. Oh, you're, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. <clears throat> you need to live lean lives in the outward and rich and fat lives in the inward. 
I'm telling you, young people, get out of that mindset of the deceitfulness of riches. Get out of it. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a name for myself and I'm going to be a top influencer on Instagram and I'm going to do this. I'm going to get all these things and I'm going to be, I'm going to be showing that I'm large and in charge. And yeah. a Snoop Dogg used to say, I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. <laughs> Hello. It's deceitfulness of riches. What, what's the, the sole purpose Listen, God has a prosperity for you. God's not against you having money. He's not against you having things. He's against things having you. The deceitfulness of riches is the fact that so often a person will pursue the Lord in times of poverty, but not pass the test of prosperity. They can't have the urgency without the emergency. And they failed the test of abundance that comes into their lives because they didn't learn the lesson of poverty. Which when I am operating in, in, in a situation that I'm having to use my faith, I'm having to stand against poverty, stand against things that are trying to take. See, that's to build my faith so that I can trust the Lord more. That's the true gift. That's the true gift of adversity. God didn't bring adversity to you. But the gift of adversity is that our God is so good and so big and so grand and so smart that he can take what the devil meant for bad and turn it for our good to where we actually become stronger on the way out than, we went, than when we went into the situation. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Notice that this marimna, this cares of this ionos, it means to fracture. It means to fracture a person's being into parts. And that's what he seeks to do with opposition, with his words. By getting you into a works-based mindset, he fragments you. You're no longer whole. So basically, he takes a piece of your life, and he pulls it out, and he gets your emphasis on the one piece. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it might be your marriage. Okay, holistically, we're fine. We're operating. We got challenges. We got opposition, but we're operating. Well, all of a sudden, a dissatisfaction comes through a word that's been thrown at you. She doesn't look at you like she used to. Or he was looking at that waitress. These are words. They seem harmless. They seem like they don't mean anything. But you've got to understand that the only person that can regulate your mind is you. And so he takes that piece and he begins to get you to focus Yeah, I notice he's been looking at those girls at the mall, you know, and stuff like that. I, maybe I'm we're lo- maybe I don't turn him on anymore. Maybe I don't, you know, I don't do it for him anymore. And we begin to think about it. If you're a man and it's, and it's your wife, it's like, well, maybe I'm too old. Maybe maybe I'm not attractive anymore. Maybe I don't. Come on now, you begin. It begins to take you down 
a rabbit trail. And it creates an environment for anxiety. See, whatever the devil builds in you, he wants to inhabit. So basically, when he comes with a word, he's using it as building material to make him a condominium to vacation in. And at any time that he wants to vacation there and get in your mind, the habitation is already there. He's got a fridge. He can go in there and get what he wants. He's got access. Come on now. And see, that's what he uses. Well, my wife's disappointed in me because we're not making enough money right now. I, I don't think I'm good enough. Or you can never take care of her. She'll never be satisfied. Come on, some of you divorced over this stuff. She'll never be satisfied with anything you do. See, that's a word. That's sown into, see, words are seed. See, the enemy knows this. The enemy knows that he casts that into, in fact, you know, he's the diabolos. He's one that penetrates and throws accusation. Hello. Remember uh, Judas Iscariot? It says, and Satan, having um, put in to Judas, the word is bolos. He threw it in. He threw it into Judas to betray Jesus. He threw it in. And that's what he does. He throws it in. You're not enough. They'll never be satisfied with anything you do. You just might as well go off and find somebody else. So find somebody that really accepts you for who you really are. Because it's obvious that they, you just grate on them. They don't like you. They don't like the way you chew your food. They don't like the way you breathe. Some of you married folk just look straight ahead. Hello, and all of a sudden he's building himself a condominium to dwell in your mind. And see, because he's not omnipresent, he has to leave and come back and forth. So he chooses seasons. And you can go through specific seasons in your life in which you wrestle with a certain area of your life. Maybe it's rejection. You'll go six months out of the year. Fine. No problem with rejection whatsoever. But around that seventh month... Who shows up with their suitcase, unpacks it, and begins to operate from that place of operation. And you start having problems with rejection again. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm not thinking right. I don't understand why I'm filled with anxiety and fear about people leaving me or people not being there for me or people rejecting me or people finding out who I really am. Why is this happening to me? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Notice that, a sound mind. He wants to get you out of a sound mind. Yes. Come on. In fact, when we look at the demoniac of Gadara in the fifth chapter, 
after Jesus delivered this man, it says that he was clothed and seated and in his what? In his right mind. So that tells you what the devil had. The devil can take thoughts and he can weave something in your mind to where you begin to believe things that are not there. Don't be anxious about anyone or anything, but in everyone and in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. Let your earnest, heartfelt desires be expressed to God. And then it says, and the peace. And this is not shalom. The word peace is a Greek word that means, get this. Wholeness. So what's the anxiety wanting to do? The anxiety is wanting to fragment me. The anxiety is wanting to fragment me where I just don't feel like I got it together. Are you carrying pieces of you when you came in? Some of you may have a wagon where the enemy through his words have penetrated and fragmented and set up shop telling you you're going to die young, telling you you're going to go insane like your grandfather, telling you you're always going to be broke, you're never going to have nothing. And telling you you're going to be lonely the rest of your days. He's a liar. I said, he's a liar. But what happens if we don't go to prayer? We remain fragmented, don't we? And when that area of our life begins to pulsate and begins to get, you know, um, begins to get stimulated... Our thinking goes with it. Our thinking starts going. Have you ever had a panic attack? Where's your focus on? Your breathing. That's where your focus is. You spend 23 hours not even thinking about taking a breath. And then all of a sudden it's pulled out and you're thinking about, was that deep enough? Is that, was something weird there? Was there a rattle in that? Come on now, guys. It's the enemy trying to tell you that or trying to convince you that you are not healthy and that something is wrong with you. Hello. You got time for some more or you want to go? Okay. All right. Notice this. Notice the whole purpose of these cares, these marimna, 
this distraction, this worry, this anxiety, it comes to choke the word. That's the whole purpose of it. So what does that tell us that we need to do to resist that? We need to use the word. Don't let it choke the word. Use the word. Amen? Because I'm telling you, when anxiety comes, it comes to shut your mouth. It comes to shut your mouth. Because when depression and anxiety show up, you'll want to get silent. Amen? And that's the enemy. Because if the enemy knows he can shut your heart and your mouth up, he's got you. Amen? And he can beat up on you at will. Amen? So let's go to, uh, this is not in my notes, Proverbs. Is this helping anybody? Okay. I believe it will. Let me find a scripture here. Chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12. In verse number 30, uh, 25, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. The, the, the Hebrew means to depress to bow and to crouch. So when anxiety comes, what do you want to do? Cave in. You're not chest out, chin up. That's not who you are when you're when you're got anxiety. It comes to depress, to get your shoulders to fold in, to get your chin down. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. But notice what the solution is. But a good word, I said a good word, I said a good word makes him glad. I don't know what I'd do without this. There's not a a book on this earth that speaks to me and helps me and aids me in my time of trouble than this right here. There's a lot of biblical malnutrition that is attributing to the high levels of anxiety that people are going through. Christians, I'm talking about Christians. You're a new creation. You're not the old creation. You got to remind yourself of that. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter four. I'm going to close this out. Okay. Now notice it says in verse number seven, and the peace of God. Now notice he didn't pray for peace. I just praying for peace. No, you don't pray for peace. Peace is a result of prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. If you want more peace in your life, you're going to have to be a person of prayer. You're going to have to be a person of supplication and thanksgiving. 
Amen? I'm telling you, that's the recipe for peace. Amen? Lord, just give me peace. No? Supplicate, pray, and thank God. Amen? Why? Because I got a grace mindset. I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I operate in a mindset. I've got favor no matter what I feel like. No matter what bill comes in the mail, no matter what lawyer calls me up, no matter what situation comes my way, I have the favor of God. And that favor is bigger than any obstacle I might have in my life. I have a forward-leaning stance. I'm not on my heels. I have a forward-leaning stance. And I experience and I enjoy the grace of God in my life. People say, you don't deserve that. I say, you're absolutely right. I don't deserve it, but Jesus took my place. Why are you well and -and so-and-so is sick? Well, I don't know, but I know this. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has impacted my life to where I'm healthy and whole. And they can have the same thing because God's no respecter of persons. Amen? And the peace of God, the wholeness of God, which surpasses all understanding. That means that there's no way you can wrestle and understand this. You can't figure it out because it's spiritual. It's not mental. Amen. Notice what it comes to do. It guards to where the enemy cannot build any more territory in your mind. And that word guard means to fortify as a military. That's what it means, to fortify as a military. The wholeness of God comes into my life to come against the fragmentation of anxiety and fear. And because I pray and give my words to God and give my care to him, the peace and wholeness of God comes and puts me back together. And then sets a guard around my heart and around my mind so that when that thief tries to come and break in and steal, I'll see him through the illumination of the word of God. And I'll be able to say, nope, not here, not today. ADT goes off. (laughs) Mr. Hurd, do you have something going on in your home? Yes, I do. I've got a thief that's trying to break in and build something in my house. And the help from the sanctuary, the angels of God move in. Oh, come on now. Hallelujah. Notice this that he, uh, your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Notice that this security comes in Christ Jesus, not in me. Right. Yeah. 
Because in me, I'm not gonna, it's not going to matter. Okay? Now, here's where I'm going to get you. Because many of you have experienced this in your own life in which you have practiced this principle and this truth and you've received relief and you've received deliverance and you've received... But remember, the auspices of your mind are totally your responsibility. So he says, finally, in verse 8, brothers and sisters too, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think so he's, he's regulating our thinking. And he's saying, you got the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's guarding your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But how do I keep it? Finally, whatever is true. See, I keep the gracious mindset of rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice by regulating my thinking to think only about things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are just pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, I am to think on these Things. It goes back to the Psalms. We talked about it last week. Remember, David, when he wrote those Psalms, they were not at times of great splendor and, and great opulence and great comfortableness. They were written in times of adversity in which he was having to deal with his own soul. And that's the reason why in Psalm 103, he says, not bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He's saying, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Soul, you get regulated to thinking on things that are true and honorable and just and pure. Get your mind off of the problem. Forget not all of his benefits. He has forgiven all your iniquity. He has healed all of your diseases. You've got to learn to regulate what's coming in your mind. When he begins to talk to you about someone, you need to say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. That's not true. Because whatsoever is true. No, my wife is honorable. She'd never look at someone else. Whatsoever is honorable. Do you see what I'm saying? You regulate because you're keeping him from getting territory in your soul because the soul is the contested territory. When it says give no place, give no topography to the devil, give no real estate to the devil, he's talking about your mind. And what he's doing is he's trying to set up strongholds to get you to be affected with your attitude and with your emotions. Because if he can get you in those two things... 
He could cause you to be unreasonable. Amen. Hallelujah. I've ran out of time. Maybe you're having trouble with this gracious mindset. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe the holidays are bringing the absolute worst. You have been unreasonable since you heard the first Christmas song. Maybe your thinking hasn't been regulated. Maybe you're thinking, man, I'll never make it. Uh, it looks like my life's going to be the same way every single time. When I walk out the door, it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to live Groundhog Day every day. <laughs> Maybe you're struggling in your body and you're working hard. You're confessing and you're seeking God, but it's just work. There's not, it's not a love affair. You're not meeting with the Lord because you love him and because you have a gracious mindset. It's because if I don't do this, I'm going to die. Well, that's the wrong mindset. That's what, that's what the enemy wants to get you over in. Maybe you've got issues in your business life and, and it's just, you know, tormenting. I'm here to tell you, friend, you can be free. Maybe you have a spirit of heaviness. Maybe you have a spirit of rejection. Maybe it's not just your flesh. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a buddy. You know? Well, we have our ministers. I'm going to have them come up right now. All our ministers come up here. And if you need prayer in anything today, don't walk out without getting help. These are anointed men and women that can pray for you, pray with you, and can come into agreement with you to break satanic strongholds in your life. But then you need to go back and listen to this message and realize how to stay free. Thank God the anointing will destroy the yoke of bondage. But you've got to make a decision to stay free. And it comes through the word of God, taken into the heart, spoken out of the mouth, it comes through operating the principles that he set forth in his word. So I'm going to close and I'm going to open it up for anybody who would desire prayer and I'm going to let you get on with your holiday weekend. But I hope that I've given you food for thought so that you can be well fortified in your walk with the Lord and that you can go into this new year with the tools necessary to offset and resist the spirit of fear that's trying to come upon our nation and manipulate us into making decisions that are antichrist. Amen? So Father, in Jesus' name, I just lift up each and every hungry heart here today. 
I lift up those that are struggling with their mind, struggling in areas of their life. May they have the humility to be able to come forward and to be able to receive prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord, that has never called upon the name of the Lord, I pray, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, that they'll be compelled and convicted by the Spirit of God to come forward and to receive Christ. Those that have been on the fence, those that have not been in the way, but have resisted the calling of the Lord in their life, even after making him Lord one, at one season in their life, I pray they'll come back right now in Jesus' name. And I pray for those that are struggling in their walk with God because they just know that they're saved and they know that the Holy Spirit is within them, but they haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit upon them, empowering them for service. Lord, I just pray, Father God, that they'll receive today and that they'll receive their prayer language and that they'll just unlock the supernatural power of God in their life. And Father, I pray for those that are healing and those need healing and those that need deliverance. I thank you, Father God, that we have authority over all the works of the devil and that we will break that power over their life in the name of Jesus. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, say amen. 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 God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday.